You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 284 of the big show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Well, folks, the time is here. It is Sunday. As you're sitting here, sitting there uh, drinking your coffee and eating your Eggo waffles and looking out the window, look up. And that big jet airliner that's flying over your head, Darren is over top. On my way, as you're listening to this, to Las Vegas, the city of sin, the city that never sleeps. Yes, the neon jungle awaits me. I will be gone for 10 days. Never mind your little three-day trips. That's amateur stuff to Las Vegas. Two weeks, man. We're going at it. Road Warrior style. It's going to be great. And, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that pretty much uh, that pretty much summed up last year's trip. I think I got kicked in the nuts twice last year. Um, but yes, the, through the power of scheduling, as you're listening to this, I am gone on vacation. Um, so, and if you're listening to this on Monday, well, at that point, I'm probably uh, hungover in the hotel room. Um, hopefully, I have a few bucks in my wallet. But I'm not holding out too much hope. Um, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, yes. Um, well, so as, uh, like I said, I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks. Uh, but like a good teammate, I am not going to let you down. I have some episodes in the can. Of course, as, as I'm recording this and talking to you right now, it is Friday the 17th. So in my mind, this is my plan. And I'm hoping to come... I'm hoping it'll come true. I got a day and a half to do it. Um, of course, this is Sunday's episode that you're listening to. 
Wednesday, I'm going to have the interview I did with Chris, old Y2J for you message board folks. And we break down one of the most iconic fight rival rivalries in history, uh, Ty Domi versus Rob Ray. And of course, Chris lived in Buffalo at the time and witnessed many of the battles live and got to know both guys through his job and talking to them. Um, and he has a little, he has some side stories and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. I enjoy having Chris on the show regardless of whatever we're talking about. But this one is sort of near and dear to his heart. He was a big fan of, uh, of the rivalry, a big fan of both guys. And, uh, so he was really into it, documented it. Um, they fought 14 times, 13 of which are on video. Um, that is actually my project for tonight. Hopefully it works. I am going to upload. Chris had sent me a DVD a while ago. And that's exactly what it was. It was the Ty, Ty Domi Rob Ray feud. And, uh, oh, and it had the angle from this Buffalo feed, the angle from the Toronto feed, the news footage. I mean, uh, for each fight and on and on. And I mean, it's tremendous, like totally in depth. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, my goal tonight is to edit, edit the 13 fights. Um, sorry, Chris, I'm going to break it down to, you know, just, uh, single versions of each fight, run them all together and put them up on my YouTube channel. So when you're listening to the episode, you can go to the YouTube channel and follow along with the fights that we're talking about. Um, that is the plan. I'm hoping to be able to do that. I know I've act- I should have actually got on this weeks ago to get, get this done, but it actually kind of slipped my mind. Um, but regardless, that will be Wednesday's episode as Chris and I are talking about that feud. Um, then next Sunday, I'm probably, I'm going to skip. I won't have an episode. And then next Wednesday, I am going to do the Mount Rushmore episode. Um, and that was when I went to social media a few weeks back and asked for, just as it sounds, the tough guy Mount Rushmore of each NHL franchise. Um, so the each, who you guys figure the four toughest guys on each team's history were. And uh, I had about 40-some, maybe 50 entries. There are two different emails and a whole bunch of direct messages. And I didn't read them all. I just sort of, I answered a couple of them, like just, hey, thanks for voting, whatever. Um, but not all of them. Uh, my, in my brief counting, count, uh, adding them up, it was about, I think, 40-some, almost 50. Um, so I, I will go through them. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them will have like similar couple names and then there might be a couple two wild card names, but, uh, I'll go over each of them, see, see, uh, you know, the voting and, uh, that will be next Wednesday's episode. And, uh, and then, uh, I'm home on, uh, Friday, the, what is it? The third I get home. And so I will be here for Sunday's, for that Sunday's episode. This will probably be obviously my Vegas and review episode and talk to you. I'm sure some shenanigans will happen while I'm down there. Uh, foolishness always seems to find me somehow. And, uh, hopefully I have a couple of, a couple stories for you. I'd like to tell you about all my winnings. Hopefully that happens. We'll see. But, um, yeah, that's what's going on here. So, but I have to, I haven't done the Mount Rushmore. The Chris and I, that, that, that part, that, I've had that episode done for uh, weeks now. Um, the Mount Rushmore one, I'm going to have to record tonight. Um, or, and then probably into maybe tomorrow morning. Um, so I'm hoping, uh, knock, knock on what everything works out here, but, uh, Yes, what are we going to talk about today? Well, uh, first of all, I want to, I want to say, um, for those, a few folks asking, um, what happened to Wednesday's episode? Last, I didn't have one. Um, I interviewed a player on Tuesday night 
and uh, we ran late, and that because that was going to be my Wednesday episode, but we we talked for a lot, like two and a, two and two hours, um, and then I didn't have a chance to do my intro and late, the ad reads and stuff, so I was going to do that Wednesday after work and put it up kind of Wednesday at around four o'clock. Um, when I got home and checked, um, the audio actually wasn't all that great on his end, and I know he wasn't really happy with the interview. Uh, so we decided to actually scrap it and, um, yeah, so that's, that's why there was no episode on Wednesday. So, um, and then I didn't have, like, again, I, I was busy thinking about, and I didn't want to do like the Mount Rushmore episode to fill in for it or anything. Cause it's like, well, then what do I have when I'm gone for Vegas in Vegas? So, um, I just decided to just, you know, no Wednesday episode and, uh, you know, I will give you some of these. So I apologize for not being around Wednesday, but that was the scoop. So, um, yes, but here I, here I am now. Some might say I should stay gone. Well, you know how it is. Um, but let's get into this. Like I said, um, I'm trying to wrap up like to do three episodes in a day and a half here. So, um, I'm not going to, this episode isn't going to be hours long. Um, but, um, a few things we're going to talk about, uh, of course my week on the internet, uh, I'm going to talk about that, some of the, the goofiness that happens in these fight groups and topics that come up that are head shaking and my interactions with a few folks. Um, I have a couple question and, uh, I had a few guys send me some questions, um, and I will answer those. Um, and, uh, we're going to do a player spotlight folks. And it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, Link Gates, the missing link. That's right. Um, I, I always, it, it's funny when you talk to people because, um, you know, he played so long in the, in the Quebec league and bounced around. And I mean, you get, you go to hockey DB and check out his profile. It's like you get carpal tunnel, just, uh, you know, scrolling down. He played on so many teams. Um, but when you actually go through the numbers and break it down, he only played 65 NHL games and had 27 fights. And we're going to talk about him. Um, I'll get into, yeah, so we'll get into Link and, and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, before we, before we get rolling, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network, over 50 shows in the network, all the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Um, for my off-network friends, of course, I got, uh, Jolt and Joe Lazito, uh, over there at, uh, Nordique's Knuckles Podcast, and, uh, Joe just released an episode, it's actually a re-release, um, it's his story of the day that Joe Lazito went toe to toe with a literal serial killer on the on the New York subway and won. And uh, and that's a true story, folks. That's a shoot. And uh, definitely, just type, just go to Google and type in Joe Lazito. It'll come up. And uh, he's written a book about it. And uh, and I've had him on my show way back when, and we talked about it. And uh, and uh, he revisits that uh, as the anniversary comes up. And um, yeah, definitely check out uh, check out Joe's episode as well as his back catalog. Ignore that plane flying over right now if you can hear it. Um, that's not me. I'm not recording this on the plane. I'm still in my basement. Um, but yes, Joe, check out his show. It, like I said, it's the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. Uh, he just started up. He formerly was doing an Islander podcast, Coliseum Chronicles, and uh, and now he's moved on to the Quebec Nordiques, and uh, and he has had uh, Ken McCrayon, Brett Severn. Uh, Trevor Steinberg, uh, so definitely check it out, Dave Marcinician, and uh, Joe does a great job, 
good dude. And uh, check out his uh, his story of, like I said, taking on the serial killer. Yeah. Bad as fuck right there, man. That's bad. one of the baddest dudes going. Yeah. Uh, Joel, I'm going to tell you, it, it, it was a good thing you still didn't have that... Uh, that Canadian beaver tail, he might have got a hold of that. It could have been it could have been bad news. But uh Joe's the man right there. So check out that episode. And then of course I have I always keep wanting to talk about old uh, five for fighting, but he retired on me. I keep uh I keep waiting for the Brett Favre like comeback, but uh, I think that's it. Um but you can still check out his back catalog, old Alec there at the Five for Fighting Podcast. Um, he's retired the podcast, but it's still up and on the platforms. I encourage you to check out his back catalog. Tremendous guests. And, um, and then last, but certainly not least, uh, my boy out in the Maritimes. I got to come up with a nickname for him, but Jordan, uh, of course he is also a member of the, uh, the hockey podcast network. Uh, they'll just let anybody on that network apparently. Um, but, uh, he is new to the game and, uh, he does a five in a game podcast and it's basically um, uh, a look back at the tough guys of the Quebec Junior League. Really focusing on the 90s and early 2000s. A couple of LNAH guys as well. Um, that was right in Jordan's wheelhouse. He's out in Cape Breton so of course he saw a lot of Screaming Eagles games. Um, and that's uh, I've had him on the show and we had a lot of fun talking about that back in the day about the Quebec League guys. And uh, he decided to make a podcast out of it. I don't know what, holy, I I. I I gave him too many ideas, folks. But I was talking to him today, actually. Um, yeah, and I mean, he's he's he's. Uh, I will say, and I, and I even I apologize to him for this. Um, I get I'm old and bitter, fuck. And I mean, um, my time for podcasting is. I'm on. I'm in, let's put it this way. I'm on the. I'm on the back nine of my podcasting career, and um, and I'm pretty frustrated with the whole thing. And um, for any long term listeners, I. I, you already know that I'm not going to go into it because um, I have a million times on this show. Um, but Jordan just starting out, of course, he's he's enthusiastic. He's really on the ball, and he's got some great interviews. And I'm not going to throw out names, but he's already interviewed like six or seven guys that he has like in the can already done because he's going to go work. Because that's the thing, he lives in Cape Breton, but he goes back to uh, Western Canada when, for sh- like he's off on shutdown right now, so uh, laid off. But he's going to go back to work here right away. So, of course, you know, those guys, the rigs and stuff, they put in hours, right? So it's not like, oh, I'll just call you whenever. We'll slap out an interview while I'm up here on the rig. But no, so uh, he wanted to really be prepared when he went out there to kind of have something ready, like I'm doing, you know, when I leave, right? Schedule an episode. So, um, yeah, the names he's got are outstanding. I'm really happy some of the guys, it was funny, some of the guys that he has interviewed, um, I'm glad they showed up for him because they didn't show up for me. Yeah, I got a couple of them that ghosted me, but they managed to, he managed to wrangle them on the phone, so that's good, because they're going to be, they will probably be good interviews, because that's why I tried getting them in the first place. Um, but we were just talking about that, and I was kind of being sour about it and stuff, and actually I apologized to him, I'm like, yeah man, sorry, I just sound like a giant bitch, to be completely honest, so, um, it's just, you get pretty bitter at the way you get treated sometimes, and uh, I, 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 I will say, I, I'm probably holding a grudge against a few guys, but... Uh, not a grudge, but just sort of like, you know, like, oh, fuck, whatever, dude, you know. Um, but I'm glad it's, in all seriousness, though, I'm glad it's working out for him. He does a great job, and those interviews are going to be awesome. Um, there's a couple of them, um, well, one in particular that uh, I know uh, he's working on that is going to be 
it's I've never I don't think he's done an interview uh, a podcast so uh, well I, I think he did a I think he might have done a French one but yeah that's about it but I'm really looking forward to that interview so um, but yeah and Jordan's passionate about it and he knows his shit and uh, good dude and uh, yeah so it, it's cool to see um, kind of his enthusiasm and his early success so um, you know so uh, definitely check out five and a game podcast. But, uh, all right, folks, let's get into this, shall we? Um, all right, where should we start? Um, sorry, just had to stop, stop, stop. Amazon packages. Um, well, we'll start with my, my week on the internet. Um, I, I've been actually trying to get a lot of shit done at work and stuff like that. And I, I've been going to the post office left and right here, folks. Yes, folks, your packages are coming. Um, um, I, I laugh. I, I'm, I'm, I send a package to Iowa in nowhere, Iowa, mud show, Iowa. And it cost me like $26, this huge box of shit. And then I send a hat to Quebec and it costs 28. How does that figure? Yeah. Oh, Canada post. We do it to ourselves, don't we? Um, but anyway, my week on the internet. Um, well, I will say the, uh, once again, once again, the, the, the Facebook uh, fight group um, has given me more uh, content. Um, of course, this joker he puts up, his, his post was, uh, Probert might be the GOAT, but damn near every A-plus level guy he fought gave him problems. That was this guy's statement. So first of all, Mr. Sean Jackson, that was tremendous... Um, trolling on your part i will say of course it ends up with 167 comments so it was strong i mean there you go you got your desired effect um i'm i'm not i'm not really i I mean i don't really understand the statement uh like i mean i think it's just a trolling exercise because it's um i mean if you're fighting top level guys you should have problems with them um, see, that's the thing. And I will say with Probert and he, he brings it up and like a bunch of people say that, I mean, well, if you're fighting, um, top level guys, it's, they're going to be good fights. Cause that's why people are in top level. Of course he replies like name, even two a plus level guys, Probert dominated in a series that had at least two fights. Okay. Well, I mean, like, okay, like he says, well, for example, Brashiri whipped McCarthy, whipped McSorley, and whipped Domi. Um, I mean, I don't know, Probert, like, who did he dom? who, what A-level guys did he dominate? And, well, uh, I don't know, like, Domi, <laughs> McSorley, um, the guys that you just named, McSorley, Domi, um, Darren Kimball, uh, well, I guess Dave Brown, they only had really the one fight. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I get where he's, what he's saying. Um, so, and then it's like, well, what else did he put? Like, uh, Twist, Brashear, Coaster, etc. A lot of top guys gave him problems. And there's more than what I listed. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and I think this is the, and, and somebody brings this up to him. Um, yeah, well, a lot of top guys gave him problems because they're top guys. He was human. He's not going to KO everybody. Nobody claimed that he destroyed them all. Um, 
that's exactly true. And, and I, and I think a lot of people, especially the, you know, well, I mean the Probert fanboys and everything else, but I mean, let's be completely honest. It's like, yeah, I mean, Probert fought everybody and whatever and out, you know, maybe out punched him and everything else. But I mean, at the end of the day, he wasn't a Terminator. Like, I mean, some people talk like he was, like he walked on water and never lost. And yeah, I mean, he lost, well, I don't want to say he lost a lot. He didn't lose a lot, but I mean, but Probert lost fights and got out punched sometimes. And, you know, uh, you know, did he get completely dominated and destroyed? Not very often, but I mean, he got out punched like everybody else. I mean, you know, I mean, he might, uh, I mean, in my mind, when I'm like, I've, I've said when I, when I judge fights and stuff, I mean, I'm probably not the best guy because I'm not going to give you a lot of win losses. To me, most hockey fights are draws, really. I mean, just because you outlanded some guy six punches to three. Winner! Oh, he won! He won! Well, okay, like, I guess. But to me, it's like, to me, to give a guy a win, you you have to control a fight or completely outpunch him or, of course, drop him or overwhelm him. But for the most part, give and take. And, and a lot of guys, the way they fought, they set stuff up. So, I mean, they'd, yeah, they'd maybe lean back and take a couple or turn their head and take a couple on the side of the helmet or, you know, or whatever, or block it. and I mean, kind of get hit in the shoulder a little bit and then and then maybe fire one and, and then kind of reset. And, like, kind of basically, some guy, and I've had them on the show and they've talked about it. They've talked about they were counter punchers. They like to kind of let the guy go and then they'd come back and, Okay, so visually, if you're watching it, and you're just like, oh, see, this guy's just like, he's throwing more. Well, yeah, but the guy's setting him up, and it's like, but and then if, but if you're a setup guy, and you're taking a couple, and you throw one, and then you take a couple, and then all of a sudden the refs get in right away, you get a Kevin Collins that jumps in early. Oh, yeah, well, no, that guy lost, see? Well, okay, like, you see what I mean? Like, it's, it's not like it's boxing where, okay, the clock's going to run for three minutes around and you're going to go 12 rounds. So you can maybe sit back and wait and rope-a-dope and stuff, right? Like, you know, but in, in hockey, it's all up to the, how long are the linesmen going to let you fight for. So there's no bell. or there, And I think a lot of people, I think they look at, sometimes it's like they look at fighting like it's boxing or, or UFC. Like, it's like, oh, we have rounds and... They're going to go for 30 seconds and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, well, no. You know, like, like even the other night, I put up a Tanner Glass, John Morasti fight from the BC League. And this guy's going, he goes, oh, it's funny that when they get the, when the guy pulls the jersey over Morasti's head, they don't break it up. But as soon as Morasti gets his arm out and starts hitting him, they break it up right away. Well, it's like. Well, first, see, there's a perfect example. First of all, if you go and watch the video I put up, Morasti's jersey never comes over his head. He's tied down. His tie down's really long, but he's tied down. The jersey comes up around his back of his head, but it's a sh- but he gets he pulls his arm out of his sleeve and then starts firing at glass. Well, yeah, his at that point they've already fought for 45 seconds. It was a pretty even fight. But, you know, Morasti, now Morasti's starting to take over and kind of really land some shots. And the refs get in there. Actually, I replied. I said, I actually thought the linesman did a really good job in this fight. They let him fight. They let it get it about it. They let it get it up. They, bleh, easy for you to say. Try this again. Take two. They let them get it out of their system. And, uh, but then once Morasti gained the advantage of getting his arm out of his sleeve, they got in right away. So I actually thought they did a good job. But, uh, point being, um, they let that one go. But if they had jumped in early, it would have been, oh, C-Class beat him, you know, and like, okay, well, Morasti was setting it up, right? Like, go watch the fight, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so, 
so for guys that were like slow starters and stuff, yeah, sometimes they got caught like that. And of course, then on these fight boards, oh, their win loss record isn't as good. So, and that ridiculous nature and that ridiculous stuff. So, um, no, Stu Grimson, there's a guy I would say that, that, uh, Probert kind of had his number. Wendell Clark is another one, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, once again, he's a, and I always sort of say it's like, well, at the end of the day, his peers put Probert in that rarefied error as one of the top guys. Um, so, I mean, that's all you need to know is if your peers say it, the guys that actually fought him, well, there you go. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm just sort of scrolling. Um, but the, the point of this, um, uh, well, and then the other thing, and of course it always comes down to, like, yeah, but Prober was an all-star, you know, and oh, how many, and then of course somebody else goes, oh, so-and-so, and he actually won two cups, and blah, well, I, I, what does that have to do with fighting ability, which I'm going to get to here shortly, as it's like, it's amazing how people cannot stay on task, they just got to veer off, yeah, but here, same guy here, but for a guy that is supposedly to be unanimously, clearly the best, he should have been able to do more to separate himself from those guys. Yeah, but who is un, uh, unanimously and saying he's clearly the best? I mean, other than some like little fanboys that wave palm palms. I mean, I've said even when I'm doing my all-time list. I mean, the difference between Probert and Dave Brown or a uh, LaRock or a uh, you know Ben Wilson is literally razor thin. Like. And at that point, and that was my reply to him, I'm like, well, uh, it's all opinion. Like I said, you could, I've always said that you could put up a fight video online and you'll get 10 different answers to the same fight. And you all watch the same fight, but it's like, you'll read some of these guys' description of the fight and it's like, did you, do you have a different angle of it? Or did I, am I, did I watch with one eye open? Or like, what fight did you just watch? You know? So it's the same thing, and of course, if if Bobby's their favoriteist, I mean, they're going to be completely, you know, they got blinders on and can't see through the rose-colored glasses anyway. So, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's it, it's opinion and, and and whatever, and it's like, yeah, well, Bob did play regular shift while Twist played like four minutes. Well, again, that has not. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I mean, that really has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But okay. Um, yeah, but I'm not a huge Probert fan, but even the best are going to struggle against other great fighters. I know, but if Probert's supposed to be clear, clearly be the best, he should have separated himself from the rest of the pack. See, again, this guy keeps harping on, well, everyone says he's clearly the best. Well, who is saying he's like, it's, it's Probert and everyone else is seven miles behind. I mean, the real idiot fanboys are saying that, but once again, I knowledgeable, like sane hockey fans, fight fans, don't say this. Or like Probert is a million miles ahead. It's Probert and everyone else is second. Like, no, it's like, no, sane people don't talk like that. Um, yeah, people, normal fight fans are objective and have can see both sides, and you know, I, I they're not. They can they let they don't let their fandom sway and you know what I mean like like basically normal functioning adults which in these fight groups is rare, um, 
Of course, this guy goes, well, did he not? You ask 100 fans who the best is, and 70, 80% are going to say Probert, Ali, Tyson, all the greats fought guys that gave him a hard time with. That's the beauty of fighting. Everyone has a puncher's chance. Well, that's true. Um, well, this was my reply to him. According, exactly. According to who? He was considered one of the best. It's not boxing. Win-loss records aren't kept, and it's a matter of opinion. Some say Probert, others say Brown or Ben Wilson. Nobody is wrong, nobody is right, as there is no way to prove any of it. He did separate himself from the pack and was in the upper rare era fighter during his prime. Nobody can dispute that. Yeah, so I mean, he is up there amongst, there's a very few, and there is a pocket of guys. I mean, yes, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, Herb Raglan did drop Joe Coaster. I mean, there are now and again, but overall, there is a rare group of top echelon guys that could beat each other at any night, and... um and that's just it. And I mean, um, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, I guess I, I, I know, I don't know. Again, I don't know if this guy's just trying to troll and start shit. I mean, well, he did start shit. I don't know if it was on purpose or if he legitimately thinks this way. Um, like I said, normal people can have this discussion and, um, uh, Probert did dominate certain top guys and other guys like Baruby. Baruby always did really well against Probert. Um, you know, uh, I know he fought Brashear about nine times. He fought Coaster three times. Um, you know, it was pretty well back and forth. Um, you know, but those are rare air guys, which is exactly my point. Um, you know, but then like I, but then a guy like Chris Tamer catches Probert. I mean, I know Probert was disinterested or whatever, but nonetheless, Tamer gets the win. Um, or a more set. Um, so yeah, anything can happen at any time, right? So, you know, um, but then the point of all of this is old Timmy Clark jumps in. I'm going to first say he wasn't the goat. He was amazingly tough and he didn't embarrass himself on the ice. The game changed in the early eighties when I, as I call them, dancing bears came into the league. Guys got bigger and teams couldn't afford the luxury of a hardcore enforcer. Well, no, that's exactly when the hardcore enforcers started. But okay, Tim, try to keep up. You and Twist, Costa Baruby, the list goes on. Best of all time. Oh, it's Gordie Howe. There was a reason nobody fucked with him. Oh, here we go. So, of course, right away, I'm like, I'm like, Yeet! tractor beam. Gordie, LOL. Revisionist history. And, do, and doing research, his fighting ability has been greatly exaggerated over the years. Oh, of course, Timmy comes back. Funny, I'm betting you're still in diapers and never saw him play. So let me educate you. Okay, thanks, Tim. Here we go. He played when there was only six teams. The absolute best of the best. The rivalry created between these six was a hundred times what you see today. I will agree with that. Uh, trains and buses between games. No luxury flights. They played the game night in and night out against the very best, toughest players in the world. I think they still do, but okay. Something you will never experience, but keep running your mouth. Ask any Hall of Famer who played against Gordy. They'll tell you you don't fuck with number nine. Oh, I just love the condescension. The condescending attitude. Thanks, Timmy, with your little backhanded shots. Trains and buses. Because that, apparently that's, that that counts as your fighting ability is that you, you rode a train. Uh, okay. Um, you know, yeah, because Probert wasn't playing in an era where the toughest guys... Uh, toughest hockey fighters in the world weren't in the NHL. Oh, okay. 
you know, so my reply was, of course, blah, blah, blah. Grandpa said, sure, Tim, fiction can be fun. Tell me about this fight. Tell me about his fight with Lou Fontenotto. That's the only fight anyone ever talks about. Guy averaged one fight a year, but yeah, let's put him in the category of Probert, Ben Wilson, etc. Because he rode a train. So yes, keep running your mouth and tell us all about it. Oh, Tim quickly snapped back with his... He countered. He threw a counter right hand. Well, I'm so glad you asked. Gordy never had to fight. I love that one. He didn't have to... They were scared of him. Oh, yeah. Gordy never had to fight. There was a reason. Like Makita and the Richard Boat Brothers, nobody fucked with them. Explain that. By the way, Ben Wilson... He spelled Ben wrong. Clarifies you're a joke. Oh, so I replied, Ben Wilson was a joke. LOL. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nobody wanted to fight him. I love that one. Sure. Okay, then he replied, once again, he's right on the counter. Once again, the lesson begins. Wilson was hyped because of playing in the East, like O'Reilly, Ray, and many others. Just because the East Coast press says says it is, doesn't make it so. Oh, I love it. So, O'Reilly, Rob Ray, Ben Wilson, ah, nothing. East Coast media, oh, I love it. Yeah. I said, well, actually, video make it so. And so do other players. You seem to hold the word of players in high regard. Well, when they when they speak of Gordy, guys say it about Wilson. There's actually a very good video of Clark Gillies talking about him and being scared of him online. You should check it out. Um, an old Jack. Jack also replied to Tim here. Jack, you got the right idea. How's rep comes from fight from one fight with Fontenotto in the 50s? When Howe got into 95% of his career fights. He suffered some bad losses in fights with Fern Flamman and Larry uh, Callahan and others. Funny how Gordy's fans never discuss his losses. And the reason no one messed with him in the 60s was because they would get carved up by Howe's stick if they did. Gordy's own son Marty backed this up when he said the Gordy Howe should really be a goal and assist and a cross check to the face. He told Luke Fox of Sportsnet. That might be more accurate. I think Marty Howe knows Gordy better than you do. Of course, Tim replies, okay, you win. Gordy sucked and couldn't fight. Neither could Maurice Henry and Stan. That's why they all won cups and are in the Hall of Fame. And you've done what exactly? There we go. Tim's having a tantrum here. Yeah, because again, Hall of Fame means, I don't know what that means to have to do with the fighting ability and the topic at hand. But once again, Timmy's uh, stomping his feet. Don't, old man, don't fall down. Break a hip, old man. Um, yeah, well, did we say Gordy sucked? I said his fighting was overrated. I didn't say he sucked. But okay. Of course, Jack comes back with, well, you're the one who said he was the best of all time. And then became insulting and rude to anyone who didn't agree with you. Bottom line, Howe was one of the greatest players of all time and a solid fighter who could handle himself. But he never was the fighter that the hype makes him out to be. It's funny, you can insult great fighters like Ben Wilson, but if anyone questions one word you say about Howe, you start calling them names and acting like a five-year-old. And Howe would never have dropped the gloves with Ben Wilson. Gordy was smarter than that. Of course, Tim's only reply, dream on. Um, <clears throat> yeah... Oh, he, he just loves how the love, us youngsters love pontificating on things you know absolutely nothing about. Tim, the way you're talking and going around and around in circles, you don't know your, you don't fucking know your ass from a hole in the ground. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> that was my, that, that, the, the bit really has no ending. That was just the back and forth. Oh, Timmy goes and pouts some more. And, um, I told him it's been great reading his fan fiction the last few days. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I really don't know what this guy, old Timmy's talking about. Um, oh, and of course, w- going back to the Probert thing, 
I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. Master of losing the jersey. Huge advantage. Oh, well, thanks, Danny. Um, then somebody, yeah, I didn't like it. What's funny, if you look at all those big fights and wins, his jersey actually stayed tied down. Uh, well, like I always say with that, um, I said, well, it wasn't against the rules. and There's nothing stopping anyone else from doing it. Um, everyone had different tricks and jersey, jersey modifications, which old Danny replies, I know this with the shrug guy. I'm like, well, if you know this, why do you keep bringing it up? Like it, um, well, I'm going to, oh, I didn't realize he replied to me. I'm, I'm going to keep bringing it. I'm going to keep bringing it up when some slappy comes on here and says he only lost three or four fights. Give me a break. Even with the Jersey coming off, he lost more than that. Well, see Danny, no, no one's saying he didn't, he, he only lost that many fights. I love these guys when they try to strengthen the argument by just like creating some, something out of fiction that they said. I'd love to meet they sometime. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for Christ's sake, you're bringing up the lazy argument. Everyone in the 80s and 90s look for an advantage. Players wore goalie jerseys, Velcro sleeve, Vaseline on jerseys, come up with something new. Um, yeah, I am because it's fact. Wasn't nearly the same fighter when the tie-downs came in. Again, another fact, Rob Ray also. Well, see, that isn't a fact. Rob Ray actually got better when his jersey, when the tie-down rule came in. Um, Danny, uh, you're talking out of your ass. It's not a fact. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll move on. I'm yammering now, circling the drain. But yeah, anyway, life on the internet, folks, isn't it fun? And as someone brought up one time, why do you bother arguing with them? Well, for most of the time, I'm at work, and I'm basically, I'm really trying to kill time at work. So, um, when I get home, if you actually look at, like, my timestamp of when I post and, like, argue with old Timmy and stuff, it's, like, at noon and one in the one in the afternoon during work. Um, when I actually get home at night, I don't really bother. I just sort of post pictures, and I don't argue, really. So, yeah, it's kind of a get-out-of-work thing, <laughs> more or less. And now, a message from our sponsors. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I know myself, like most people, I'm going to work out more. (laughs) But I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change. If it's something you use every day, like my Raycons, Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point. You can build great habits without breaking the bank. Yeah, just throw them in your ears, jump on the treadmill. Makes makes the workout go a lot quicker. You can listen to your favorite podcast. Hashtag enforcer-based podcasting. Uh, but whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yes, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with with some of the other guys. If you have multiple pairs of everyday earbuds, throw one in the gym bag. Throw one at your desk at work. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer a buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return, guaranteed. Yeah, I've always found, I've had numerous different earbuds over the years and I always have trouble fitting my ear for some reason but the Raycons actually really good fit and the best part is they are actually and I know firsthand they're actually sweat water and sweat resistant get ready to buy something small with big impact go to buyraycon.com slash thpn today to get 15% off your Raycon order 
That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. A couple of questions that I had. Um, I'll just make it really quick and then we'll get into the Link Gates thing here. But um, um, I've had this question. And I mean, I, and I, last time I think I answered this question on the show, I think I went on for about 20 minutes. Shocking, I ramble. Um, the guy was just talking about starting a podcast. Um, and should, um, I always say if someone asks me, to, should I start a podcast? I say no. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, um, I'll make this quick because I know people are, you know, whatever. It's like, you already answered this. Um, um, if you're going to start a podcast, um, go for it. I mean, if, if it's a hobby and you're, and it's something you're passionate about, no matter what the topic is, um, I'm assuming you're, you're, I mean, if you're asking me, I mean, I'm assuming you want to start a hockey podcast. Um, I mean, if it's a fight podcast, I, I love it. I mean, you know, there, it's, it's a niche thing and, and it's really, it's just Joe, myself and, and Jordan are really the only air quotes fight guys or fight podcasts. So yeah, more the merrier. I mean, and I think anytime you get a new voice and a new creator and a different voice and a different opinion, um, and a different sound, so to speak, um, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, anything that creates more conversation, um, to me is a positive. So if that's the way you're going to go, for sure. Um, but I, like I would say, um, uh, if you're going to do it, um, my, my personal opinion, if you're going to do it, do it right. I mean, there's a lot of guys that buy microphones and, and then just hit record and, and they don't put any effort in, like they don't put any research in and they, and that's fine. You can do whatever you want. Um, to me, I'm, I'm like, uh, I guess, I, I guess, what are you doing it for? Do you want to just do it to just, cause you enjoy the hobby or whatever it is that you want to talk about and, and you don't really care if, if 10 listen or a thousand listen. Um, some people start podcasts as a way to maybe try to, they, they think it's going to, uh, give the, uh, it's a stepping stone to get into radio or get into sports broadcasting or whatever. And, and they have that dream. Other people, it's like I said, it's just to talk about their hobby and for a, every once in a while. And, and, and that's cool too. Um, if you're going to take it serious and you kind of want to go somewhere or get taken seriously, um, do the research. Um, I always say that's the one thing with listeners. Uh, people can smell bullshit. They know when you don't know what you're talking about. Um, you can only fool the people for so long. And once I, I think once people um, realize that you're fake or you don't, or you're full of shit or you don't know what you're talking about, they don't, they won't listen. Um, and, and again, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, cause I'm an expert. They should, I'm not saying that, but, um, I would like to think when I do, when I do a topic, it's research. Then I, when I do an interview, um, you know, I'm so where did you play junior? Like, you know, I mean, I know the teams, I know their history. I know the guys, I mean, I could talk to him. I could bring up incidents and stuff. I mean, God knows there's more than one podcast when they interview players. It's cringy. Like, did you just like pick this guy up and then just look at his hockey DB for three seconds and now you're going to do an interview? Like it's, they know nothing about the player. And to me, that's, um, uh, you're just wasting this guy's time. And to me, it's completely inconsiderate and it's rude that, um, that you would do like I've I've I won't say the show but this he the the, the player the ex player was talking about playing on this one team the guy oh, I didn't know you played there are you for real like did you do any research into this like it's embarrassing and um 
but there are guys that will put that shit out. And, uh, I mean, the, I mean, the world's blessed with, without self-awareness. So, I mean, okay. But I'm just, you're asking me my opinion. Um, know what you're talking about. Do the research. Take it seriously. Um, and be consistent. If, if you want to grow your show and, cause I mean, when you, when someone first starts out, yeah, no one's listening because you don't have an audience. No one knows who you are. Um, unless you have built up a social media presence. Um, that's what I tried to do before I started the podcast. I had a partner at the start. Um, we, for, we did it for three or four years. We built up our soul, our online presence. Again, I'm not saying we rivaled Barstool or anything, but we ended up, we had a couple thousand followers on Twitter and stuff before we ever did episode one. So I had, I had kind of had a little bit of a built in audience, a little bit. Um, point being is if you just start everything and have no social media presence, I'm going to do a podcast, hit record. Yeah, you're, it's going to take you a while to grow. Um, and be patient with it. It's, it takes time. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be rivaling spitting chiglets after week three. It's like, you know, I mean, if you're an ex-player, that's a huge advantage. Like, every ex-player and their dog has a show now. Well, yeah, they can just whip out their cell phone and go through their contacts and they got a couple ex-NHL guys or whatever. Yeah, well, they're obviously an advantage. I'm speaking to this person because the guy asking me last time I, ch- I don't think, he, I know he didn't play in the NHL. Um, I don't think he played any, like, like he wasn't a pro player. So I'm going by that. I'm assuming you do not have a lot of pro players in your phone. So, um, you're basically, you're starting at square one. Um, it's going to be a grind, be prepared. Um, but yeah, just keep grinding and consistency. Don't release an episode every three weeks. Like, Oh, you, you do every Wednesday and then all of a sudden it's next, next, you miss a couple weeks and then, then it becomes once a month and then you do three episodes in one week. No, um, you got to pick a day that you want to do it. Don't do two shows a week, I can tell you that. But pick a day throughout the week, like, oh, every Tuesday. And then sure as shit, right like rain, every Tuesday be there with an episode. Um, that's how, that helps you grow, is consistency. That would be my, those are my tips to you. Take it serious. Research. Know what you're talking about. Well, it comes from research. Um, and be consistent. And from there, good luck to you. And dude, if you're listening and you need help or you ever want a guest to come, I will gladly come on your show and help you out and promote your show. Um, yes, let me know. Um, the other question. Um, best WHL fighter you saw that never went on and played pro hockey? Um, Matt Sommerfeld, uh, Tanner Lasan. Um would be the two off the top of my head. Um, I've, I've, I've referenced Matt Sommerfeld on the show numerous times. Um, S O M M E R F E L D. Um, he fought Bugard, Mazer, Morasti. Um, there's a bunch of his fights on my YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and check it out, check him out. Um, he had great fight, Steve McIntyre, Steve McIntyre. I've, I've talked about Sommerfeld on Facebook and McIntyre has, uh, I second that, he'll always say. Like, yeah, he had some great battles. Um, Matt Sommerfeld was awesome. Um, Tanner, Tanner Lasan, new age guy, was in the, like, you know, to, um, you know, 2010, 11, that, that in there. Um, yeah, and he played, uh, he played three seasons at Swift Current. Uh, and then, and then, when, I, I believe just went to, went to university and played, um, senior after that um you know which hey smart you know get on with your life get on with education good for him um actually that he's from Saskatoon here I'd love to uh, get a hold of him 
and talk to him. That was, again, that was kind of, I had stopped watching hockey at that point. I really wasn't paying much attention. But I remember a couple guys getting old of me like, you got to see this cat out in, out in Swift Current, man. You got to check him out. Good shit. Um, wasn't a big guy. Like he, you know, he was smaller on the smaller side, but would throw down like great wide open tilts. I incur- L-E-S-A-N-N. Tanner Lassan. And of course, he's in the era where like all of his fights are on, you know, the site that shall not be on YouTube. We'll put it that way. I was going to say hockeyfights.com. Oh, I said it. I don't want to say that. No, their name shall not be spoken out loud. Um, but yeah, all of his, he's in the era, of course, of internet TV and all that. So all his fights are out there. So you can watch Tanner Lassan. Good. So I highly encourage you to go down that rabbit hole. Tremendous. Um, yeah, um, other than that, let's get into this player spotlight, shall we? None other than the missing link, Link Gates. Um, definitely um, a real, I mean, the stories of Link Gates are legendary. Um, everyone has everyone has a Link Gates story. Um, and, and, I mean, he obviously had his issues and brought it upon himself and the uh, alcoholism and everything else. Um I don't know, I, I'm sure people listening to this show know, maybe not everybody. Um, Link Gates, after the, uh, in the, in the April of his, uh, in, he, eh, geez, spit it out, man. After his season in San Jose, his first full NHL season, that April, he was in a car accident, um, in San Francisco where he was a passenger and, uh, basically got ejected from the car and ended up, with brain damage, really, and he was par- paralyzed on the left side of his body, um, had to learn how to walk and do everything over again, really, and um, so that ended his NHL career. He tried a couple comebacks, um, didn't obviously work out, and then his, basically his life in the minors, as uh, his, his minor league odyssey from there, um, and yeah, and he ended up playing in the East Coast League, and the, on and on, and, and bounced around, and um, LNAH. So that's the thing when, um, I'm just going to focus on his NHL stuff with the spotlight here. But again, I mean, if you go on YouTube, there's a million, like all the Link, like Link Gates' LNH stuff is out there and, and all that stuff. Um, when you're watching those LNH fights, yeah, it's like, oh, he's out of shape and he's, you know, whatever, he's like 300 pounds and whatever. But I mean, the fights are fantastic. And I mean, and he's fighting Brandon Sugden, Patrick Cote, Joel Terrio, and... And he, well, put it, he ain't losing. We'll put it that way. And I, and I've told this story on this show before, or this little tidbit, but, uh, my friend was coaching the Laval Chiefs at the time, and he was, and Patrick Cote was there. Um, and he was talking to Patrick Cote, who's legendary, and he's got his own issues, crazy dude, and crazy tough, and massive, and, I mean, everybody's heard the Pat Cote stories, too. Um, he asked him what, Pat, Patrick Cote, what it was like fighting Link Gates, and he just shook his head, and he said, Man, he goes, I hit Link Gates harder in the face than I have ever hit anyone. And all he did was grunt and keep coming. Which is amazing when Kote hits you. Because Kote, if he hits you, it puts you down. And Gates, he said, just took it. It was like it was like Terminator and just kept coming. And the thing is, is you have to remember, this was after this is after the car accident, out of shape, doesn't give a shit, just whatever Link Gates. Could you imagine what a in shape primed up gave a shit in San Jose, 24-year-old Link Gates would be like fighting. Oof. 
So that's the problem, and and that's and I always say that's the thing with with Link when you when you come down to it and get away from the accident and the addictions and everything else, he should have had a ten year NHL career. He should have been Probert because you talk to anybody, he was a second round pick. Yeah, everybody knew the off ice issues that he was having, but on the ice when he wanted to play, he was a, on defense. He could skate. He was big. Could play. Like he was, he was, he would have been a real solid NHL. Like I'm not saying, oh, he would have been in All Star games and everything. Like no, but he was a solid player. Like he wasn't just the Looney Tune Link Gates that's gonna take you. Well, he would like he'd fight you at the drop, the hat, and everything else. But he could move the puck. He could skate. Um, players on San Jose talk about when he was in the mood to practice. Like when you were coming, you weren't getting around him. You couldn't get by him. He could skate, do all the drills. He was excellent. Like he wasn't just some. Like people, like I said, they see the 300-pound LNAH link gates and they just think, oh, that's the sack of shit that played to San Jose for a year. Yeah, he was a, in prime shape in San Jose and could rock and roll and, you know, yeah, legit dude. But, um, yeah, let's get into this with link gates. Of course, like I said, he was a second-round pick uh, of the Minnesota North Stars. Um, huge rep coming out of the Western Hockey League. Um, what's funny on my page, well, it's on YouTube, but on my fourth line voice on YouTube channel, um, the fight with him and Tony Twist in Saskatoon and Junior when Link just gives it to him. That's on my channel. Um, actually, I have, uh, the fight with James Lados is on there in, uh, from December 14th, 86. Um, that is actually Link Gates' first junior fight. Um, you know, 17 years old, um, yeah, so check that out. His fight with Nick Fakoda in New Westminster is on my channel as well. That's a really good fight. Um, yeah, so his junior stuff is out there. Um, Jay Stark, another really good fight in the Western League. Um, but yeah, if we get into his... In, and as I said, I mean, I could sit here all day and talk about his Cape Breton stuff against Jerry Fleming and Bialois and all that. That's all on YouTube to check out. Um, again, all the fights that I'm going to bring up are on YouTube as well, so you can check, you can go and look at the fight that I'm talking about. Um, yeah, well, let's get into it. Um, 1988-89, he's with Minnesota. He plays a few preseason games. Um, his, his actually his first fight in the preseason, September 25th, 1988, against Dave Mackey. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically all Link. Link just, uh, um, uh, really, really takes it to him, and then um, you know Mackey ends up pulling him down. But um, yeah, so it's a real good, strong, strong opener for Gates in the preseason. Um, he then on October first he fights uh, Garth Butcher. Um, I know that fight's not on video. I don't. I just I have a picture of the fight, but I don't have uh, no one's seen video of that. Um, but he makes the team. And then October 28th is Link Gates' first NHL regular season fight. And it's against none other than Joe Koser. Um, and it is a toe-to-toe battle. And um, and it's not the one where he gets busted up. That's round two. Um, the first one, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, Link's playing defense. Koser's coming down with him on the uh, with the puck. Um, and, and Link just basically um, stands him up and then kind of kind of face washes him a little bit. And then Coaster's kind of starts skating towards the into the corner where the puck is, and Link basically punches Coaster in the back of the helmet, knocks his helmet off. So of course ter- Coaster turns around, hey, yeah, you want a shot at the title? And here we go. Um, so they do the they do the big square off, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically they just kind of go back and forth, and and it's but and it's, but it's a real strong showing for Link because I mean at that time Coaster big rep, you know. Uh, 
was was pummeling people and like here's the young kid right 20 years old um and and he looked great and um and then after that i mean caused some issues and and he went back and he went down to the ihl for the rest of the year um you know but real strong showing early um then 1989 1990 um he fights randy mckay who's playing with detroit at that time in the preseason again that fight's not around um, but he starts the season in the minors again. Again, he's only 21 years old at this point. So, you know, back, you know, getting some seasoning. He's the, you know, high-end pick. But the thing is, is, of course, he's causing all these problems off the ice with his drink and breaking curfew, fighting with teammates. So he's a real loose cannon. But it's like they're going to hold they're gonna hold on to him because of you see the potential of what he has, right? And you're going to try, of course, every team, they're going to try to fix him, right? Um, but he's, he's going through the IHL. Winning and pummeling guys in the IHL. When he gets called back up on January 9th, he fights Joe Coaster again. And this is the fight that a lot of people... It's funny, when you bring up Link Gates in the NHL and you bring it up, with, of course, in these fight groups and everything else, oh yeah, well, Joey sure gave him a licking and taught him a lesson and, he, you know, and all this. Go watch that fight. I mean, he busts Link up above the eye. And he lands some solid shots on Gates. But Link doesn't cover up or back down... He's still coming at Coaster. Like I said with Link, and I like both guys. I'm not trying to be Link Homer here, but I'm giving you my honest, the, my honest opinion and my honest take on the, on the thing. You can hit Gates, like as I mentioned with the Cote quote, you can hit Gates with a bat. He's not going down. Like you're not going to drop him. So yeah, Coaster flat out drills him with right hands and Link just keeps coming and Link's firing shots back. It's not like this big, like you listen, you read some of these guys' comments, you think it's some big one-sided ass kicking. It's not. But I'll tell you what it is. Now, check this out. When you're, when you go back and rewatch this fight on YouTube, listen to the announcers. All they do is pump up Coaster and are basically talking how he's manhandling Link Gates. But watch the video of what's actually happening. Link is standing there taking it and throwing punches back. Now, Coaster lands the better shots, but again, it's not this overwhelming ass-kicking that everyone talks about. But if you listen to the, oh, he's in trouble, Joey's landing hammers, and he's one of the toughest guys, and he's learning a lesson. Okay, like, just, no, it's Link's standing there. And Coaster, the best shot he gives him is when he knocks Link's helmet off. That's the best one, it cuts him above, and it's a cut in his eyebrow, it wasn't like he fractured his face or anything. But Gates is skating off and he wipes his eye. You can see him shaking his head and he's mad at himself. But I mean, you know, oh, Joey killed him. It's like, no, he didn't. You know, did Coaster, I'd give Coaster the W for sure. But it's not some, like, holy shit. Yeah, well, I guess this kid isn't anything. Like, no. And again, really his, his, his two regular season fights in two years have been against uh, Joe Coaster with, you know, uh, a late... A, a late 80s Joey Coaster who was killing guys at the time. Uh, and he's Link standing there taking it. So it's like, you know, after that fight, he goes down for, goes down to the IHL for the rest of the season. And, um, yeah. Um, the following year, 1990-91. Um, actually, it's, it's really funny. Early on in the preseason, the uh, Minnesota goes over to Russia and uh, they must have been playing a bunch of the, the teams over there. Um, he ends up getting into it with, like, Igor 
Vax a minikin or something. And the video's on, it's funny because they kind of get tangled up. And Link basically just punches the guy with his glove on and like smacks him around. And the guy tackles him and there's a scrum. And of course, then over in Russia at that point, they're probably like, ooh, the missing Link. This is crazy. Um, so they basically boot Link out of the game. As he's going off, Link starts waving his arms to the crowd and everything and, you know, just donkeying it up. But, uh, check the video is just humorous. It's just funny. Um, that actually that year he played a couple preseason games. He fought Daryl Stanley, Warren Reichel. Um, there's, there's a video of that, but, uh, and then he's, and then he goes to the IHL, um, for that year. Um, and I, and I think at this point, um, Minnesota had basically just grown tired of the antics and, uh, and, you know, it became clear that, uh, you know, they couldn't fix him, so to speak. And, uh, he actually got, he wasn't protected. And of course, this is the year that San Jose came into the NHL and he was, uh, picked up in the expansion draft. And, um, and this is where, um, I, I, I guess the, the, the legend of Link Gates was born. Um, or, or his, this was his coming out party. I mean, people knew him from the Western League or who had followed the minors and stuff like that. Oh, you gotta see this missing Link guy and all this, right? Well, this is where he finally came out, 91-92. Um, he played the full season in San Jose. Well, he was suspended for a bunch of games, but he was he well, he was in the NHL for the full season. We'll put it that way, um, with the expansion Sharks on a, on a real lousy Sharks team. Um, but the cool thing with that being the team was so bad, Link got a lot of ice time. So, of course, this is when it was uh, we got to see what mi- the missing Link could do in full-time action in the NHL. And he really... Um, and it, and it was fun. It was a fun ride and it was, uh, and, and it really gave you a glimpse of, and, and it's the, and it's also sad because it's the, you, you really get to see the what could have been. Um, cause when you watch him in San Jose, you know, this is a, a 24 year old kid. I keep saying kid. He's not a kid at 24, but he's, he's basically a 24 year old finally given an opportunity to show what he could do on the, on the biggest stage. Um, and, and he does really, and he does great. Um, Including a, a highlight fight with Bob Probert, who at that point in 1990, I would say is prime Probert. And Link Gates goes toe to toe with him, doesn't give an inch, gives as good as he gets. I'd call it a draw. I mean, I don't think anybody could yell winner either way. There's blood flying and they, that's one of, that, that's one of, it's Link Gates' best NHL fight of all time. I'd say it was one of Probert's best NHL fights of all time. Just do, it, it wasn't the marathon battle that McSorley's was, was his fight with McSorley or even Domi, but it was a short, like 15 second, violent, violent exchange. And you could tell they were both punching with bad intentions. And, um, and like I said, Link Gates, it's coming for him, knew what he had to do. And it's like, if you're going to, make a name for yourself. Cause at that point, Link Gates to a lot of people was like, who he's got, the, who's this got a, this guy with the crazy name and the blonde hair and this big dude. That's like the same size as Probert, but it's like, who is this? And it's like, well, I'll show you who I am. And it, that was awesome. But, uh, you know, but before we get into that, the Probert fight was in November. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about a few fights before that. Um, all right. Sorry, folks, we're going Stopping and starting, stopping and starting. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, kind of, we kind of roll into, uh, Link's, like, really his, his legit only, uh, first, first and only full season in the NHL. And, um, starts off strong September 14th, 1991. Uh, preseason. 
He fights uh, Sean Antosky, another up-and-comer, um, a high draft pick by the Canucks. Um, and yeah, and, and, uh, and, and Link is just all over him. Um, really, he, he just kind of, uh, he doesn't drop him, but kind of just one of those just like kind of pummels him into the ice and Antosky, Antosky to his credit gets back up and Link kind of pummels him down into the ice again. Um, yeah, it, um, yeah, it was a real, real, again, a real strong showing for Gates. Um, then he fights Herb Ragland, kind of an undersized, but you know, gritty kind of, Tough guy. It was kind of quick, not much. Um, and then he fights Al, Alan Stewart of New Jersey. And, um, yeah, kind of just, he's just kind of all over him. Um, you know, gets the lefts going, kind of pummels him down again. Um, and in the same game, he fights Randy McKay. These were all preseason fights. Um, of course, Randy McKay coming up a month later, uh, there's that big uh, kind of TKO. But in this one... Um, I couldn't, I, I swear I've seen this fight, but I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find it on YouTube, but it was a fairly, um, a fairly decent back and forth fight with McKay. Um, but then we go into the regular season. It's October 19th. Um, he fights Al Stewart again, but Al Stewart has been picked up by the Boston Bruins at this point. And, um, this is just classic, um, Boston announcers, um, Sanderson's, Sanderson's embarrassing. Like just like the fight Gates is kind of hitting Stewart with lefts. And I mean, Stewart to his credit, doesn't go down and kind of fires some half-ass shots back, but nothing like of any real scoring value. And of course, oh yeah, Al Stewart landing 12 lefts, you know, and it's like, oh God, it's like, no, he didn't. Like it's, um... You know, and they're all, oh, he, he really gave it to him. And it's just like, you know, I'm just waiting for, you know, Al's just out here wanting to play hockey. I was waiting for him to say that one. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, I don't know. I mean, Link is, so Stewart obviously landed something because Link was cut and everything, but it's just like, um, yeah, it's, there's the announcers, oh, they, Sanderson's so bad. But yeah, but, um, you know, and then of course, uh, October 26th, he fights Randy McKay, and that's the one where they're squaring off, and, uh, and, and I, and I love Randy McKay, tough guy and everything else, but Link just catches him. Um, just a solid right hand, and, and basically McKay kind of goes flying backwards and lands on his ass, and, I mean, he gets up, it's not like he's lying there, but he gets up, but yeah, it was like one of those flash knockdowns, and, um, yeah, just a solid right hand by Gates. That was the other thing with Link, I mean, could throw both, had power in both hands, and, uh, yeah, I just caught him. And then uh, Dave Maley fights him later in the game. I mean, obviously to kind of get some revenge, I'm sure, and for his fallen teammate. And I mean, it's a quick fight. I mean, Gates grabs him and kind of hits him a few times. And Maley basically just wrestles. Um, the crowd actually in New Jersey is really booing the shit out of him after the fight. Um, but yeah, Maley just kind of hung on. Um, you know, and then uh, that was October 26th and November 14th in the Cow Palace in San Jose. As I said, it was the, you know, the fight with Probert that everybody's waiting to see and they didn't disappoint. And, and I mean, and that's why I always say that, that gave you a glimpse into what Link could have been was that fight with Probert. And, um, like I said, there, there was no winner or loser in that fight. And, uh, you know, that's prime Probert and, and Link is with him punch for punch. And, uh, yeah, it, that, that was a great tilt. 
Um, you one of the yeah one of Probert's better fights in his career, and definitely Link's best NHL. Well, I mean, I guess like I mean, you have the knock on McKay, or whatever. But I mean, in, in terms of actual back and forth, toe to toe, like holy shit! I mean, that was Link Gates by far Gates' best fight. And now a message from our sponsors. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Yep, March 1st deadline coming up. Already some moves. Kevin Durant going to Phoenix. That's interesting. Uh, Utah picked up Westbrook. Looking to buy him out now. So what contending team is going to pick up him for the run in the playoffs? Keep an eye on that, folks. So download the app now. Sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Uh, then he fights um, Mike Hartman. Again, Hartman, always a game guy, but... Yeah, I mean, Link was kind of, it was quick, and Link was kind of all over him. Um, well, then the, then the next fight, he fights Lee Norwood. And again, it's not like Lee Norwood, but Lee Norwood was a big guy, but he wasn't some killer fighter. But I mean, man, they're kind of, um, this is one of the rare fights, and it's always funny, you know, because Link gets the reputation, that it, well, not that he, not he get he has the rep. it's not even a reputation, it's the truth, but that he's like the crazy guy and everything else. And off the ice, yeah, he obviously was. That's why he million stories of him. But um, you watch the fights. He's 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 a he's a square off guy. Like he's not a jump guy. He squares off. Um, when it's over, it's over. I mean, you know, I mean, for all these guys that love the code, the code. You know, Link was kind of yeah. I mean, he didn't. He's not. A, he wasn't a cheap shot guy. He wasn't. Um, and, but there was a couple times that he got mad, wound up, um, Norwood won, this fight was a kind of, but I think he was more mad at the linesman, um, cause they're kind of getting into it. And, um, is it Marowelli? One of the linesmen, they basically grab, uh, Link by the back of his, uh, like they come up from behind him and grab him by the back of his Jersey and like, just pull him down. And like Norwood falls on top of him. And it's just like, what are you doing? And like, Link eventually stands up and he's like kind of trying to get at Norwood. Like he could just tell he's kind of mad and it's not Norwood's fault. It was the ref that took him down. And it's like, I don't know what they were doing. If I was Gates, I would have been pissed too, but it's, but it's, you go back, you like the video, like I said, it's on YouTube. You check it out. And it was always that uh, if Link was as crazy as everyone thought he was like, yeah, I was surprised he didn't like pop the liney, you know, cause it's like, yeah, he's choked. But, um, yeah, but the fight wasn't anything, but it was just, you could see he was mad. Um, and then January 25th, he fights Kelly Buckberger. Again, I'm a, I like Buckberger, and, and he was always game and would, would never back down. But yeah, like, Link was just like hitting him with like right uppercuts, and like, it was all Link. It was a, it was a beating, and he busted up Buckberger, and yeah, so big win for Link. Um, uh, the next fight is uh, actually uh, February. He fights Mike Peluso. Um, and, and they both, a big square off. They both start out strong and they both start throwing left hands. 
And then there's kind of, they have this awkward sort of, then they grab, there's a grappling and Link kind of has the advantage over him grappling and he starts hitting him with like, kind of like Peluso's like bent over at the waist and Link's kind of leaning down on him and he kind of catches Peluso with a couple right uppercuts. And one of them kind of, I don't want to say drops him, but like you could, it hit, you know, and so, and Peluso just kind of hit, falls to the ice. Well, Link is like kind of wrapped up with him and goes down and watch. You can see Link hits his forehead off the ice when he goes down. He gets up right away, but yeah, he, he hits hard. You can see it on the it clear as day. And it's like, but it was a good fight. They had a really solid, uh, toe to toe exchange right at, like really quick off the start. Um, I don't want to drop your gloves. They call it a big TKO. I don't know if I call it a TKO, but he definitely caught Peluso. Um, uh, then later, February 21st, he actually fights Ojik twice. Um, yeah, the first, the first one, the round, round one, um, you know, he, he catches Gino with a right and they're kind of grappling and stuff. And then like Link's kind of starting to take it to him and Ojik basically, he, well, he, he grabs Link by the pants, lifts him up and he dumps him. And Link is pissed when he gets up and they're breaking up and you can see Gates yelling at him and whatever. And, um, so later in the game, Link goes back after him and he grabs Ojik and starts punching him. And Gino doesn't drop his gloves or his stick or anything. And Gates hits him a bunch of times and Ojik goes down. Link doesn't hit him when he's down, but he's just kind of skates away, shaking his head and whatever. I don't know. It was always kind of, yeah, like I don't, well, like, and that, and that's the thing. And I mean, you know, not to speak ill of the dead or anything. I mean, but we're just, we're, we're fight fans talking. Um, OJ kind of did shit like that. That kind of, that's why I was never a huge Geno fan. Um, not that I have any problem with the cheap, like, whatever. Everyone does cheap shit. I'm not, I'm holding that again. Like this sucker punch of Casparitis and what, what Casparitis deserved it. Who cares? But it, the one on Todd Harvey was pretty bush and stuff like that. Like Ojik did shit like that, but he did this with Link and then he kind of, he did the same, like he, he used to do that shit with Twist too. With, you know, and he kind of, I don't know. It was just, I never, Ojik kind of pulled some shit every once in a while that was kind of, it kind of irked me. Like he was a tough enough dude. He didn't need to do that. Um, like even in the first fight with Gates, like he catches Link. There's that famous picture, the overhead picture of Link, of him catching Link with a right hand. Like it's a good solid shot. I mean, Link doesn't go down. I mean, they go back and forth and, and like, but Gino was a tough enough dude. He didn't kind of need to do that shit. And it was, it always kind of bugged me that he did. Um, but anyway, um, then he fights Martin Samard. That really isn't anything. He just kind of smothers him, hits him back and forth. Um, then he fights Greg Smith, which is funny because Smith, of course, has the minor league reputation of Link Gates too. I mean, he's crazy with his stick and everything else. Um, actually, it was actually a really good fight. Link starts strong and he's like giving it to him. And actually Smith makes a comeback and, um, you know, I mean, he's busted up and stuff, but you know, he comes back and he doesn't go down and he's taking some shots, but he comes back and lands a few of his own. Um, I, I'd probably, if, you know, if I had to give, I'd give Link the win on points, but yeah, Smith's right in there with him. Um, and then the final, uh, kind of, um, his, well, really, yeah, it's his last NHL incident is with Troy Loney. It's right at the end of the game and Link actually, the buzzer goes to the end of the third period and Link leaves the penalty box and kind of jumps in the pile and nothing really happens. I mean, he grabs Loney for whatever reason, but nothing happens and he ended up getting a 10 game suspension for that. And, um, uh, that was a lot. And, and then that that March April that April um um I didn't remember I didn't remember this until I read up when I was kind of just uh you know going through things um 
in April, there was like a 10-day kind of player strike. Uh, well, during that strike, Link was out in San Francisco drinking, and that's when he got into the car accident. And, uh, yeah, he never, he, he never came back from that. Um, but I was kind of looking up, there was this book called, uh, um, a hundred San Jose shark players that the fans should know or something like that. And, uh, they have an, a chapter on, on the, um, on Link Gates. And, um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, Yeah, Link had the body of Adonis, was good looking like a movie star, had all the skill in the world and was as tough as anybody on the ice. Today he'd be worth $6 million. Also today he'd be lucky to be alive. Uh, Gates came via a dispersal draft with Minnesota that supplied the Sharks with their first 24 players. San Jose's director of player personnel of Gates' selection. He's one of the meanest kids playing hockey. In fact, I think he's the meanest kid living. <laughs> when the North, yeah, uh, Finn and Gates showed up at the draft with two black guys, the result of a bar fight the night before. Um, he was very unpredictable for the short, for the short period of time, made him very effective, Barry Bears and a shark from 91 to 93. But then with that type of personality, everything starts to implode and his life became a train wreck on and off the ice. It wasn't a train wreck, but rather a car accident that nearly ended Gates' life. Riding a passenger with a friend early April 92, as the NHL season paused during a 10 day player strike, Gates sustained a bruised brain stem and was left semi comatose for eight days after getting thrown from the speeding car on the South San Francisco off ramp mid morning. Gates' mother, summoned from the family home in Vancouver, sat vigil in the hospital by her ailing son's side. Gates pulled through, partially paralyzed on his left side with no recollection of the accident. His friend and the driver, Patrick Bell, was charged with driving under the influence. Months later, Gates confounded doctors by regaining movement and speech through therapy. He returned to the ice and skated twice a week by late summer. The Sharks were set to give Gates another chance until he was arrested and convicted of drunk driving in the fall. San Jose gave up and traded the 23-year-old to Edmonton for a 10th round draft choice. I'm just throwing my hands up in the air, Lombardi said at the time. <clears throat> Rewind months earlier, Gates was the talk of the early season. Uh, Gates became an instant cult hero as the team's rapid new fans gravitated to the most intimidating young player in the game. Gates scored goals here and there, but bought patrons out of their seats with his fights. Gates dropped the gloves 14 times, no more hype than anticipated in the early season bout with Bob Probert, who was regarded as the league's reigning champ. Gates and Probert waged a brutal battle that ended in a draw. Both players exhausted, but still on their feet, just like the fans inside the Cow Palace. Link was the only guy I played with who I was actually scared for guys on the other team, said Jeff Rogers, a tough customer in his own right. When he went over the edge, he didn't care if he speared you or took out one of your eyes. As a teammate, you didn't know what he was going to do. Rogers experienced this uncertainty firsthand. Opposite Gates during a scrimmage, Rogers stepped in for a teammate that Gates had been giving it to, and then the and then came the moment of truth. We were face to face, and that was the closest we'd ever been to going. Rogers recalls, he just kind of looked at me. There was a fine line between crazy and stupid, and I was hedging on stupid. I'm not gonna lie, I'm glad it didn't happen. Even if Gates wasn't in the mood to fight, teammates always had to be on their lookout. Primarily a defenseman, when someone skated at forward. Gates didn't like getting beat in practice. Depending what day it was, you had to read him. If you made a move and went by him, he might swing his stick and you'd hear it go right by your ear, Kelly Kissio said. Next time you'd go down on the other side, it was just whatever way he was twisted. If he was into it, he wouldn't get beat, Audrey says. Forwards start on the goal line, defense skate backwards from the hash marks. They blow the whistle and you go. When he wanted to, we didn't have a guy on the team who could beat him. Gates's unpredictable behavior was not restricted to practice either. Barazan, also a teammate with Gates previously in Minnesota, remembers when the Sharks visited Detroit for the first time and Gates played forward on his line. We go out for a shift, we, we go out on our first shift, we get scored on, minus one. 
Go up for the second shift, we get scored on. Minus two. On the bench, it's like, come on, guys, let's get it going. Then the third shift, minus three. I looked at Link, and he says to me, Perry, you know what? I just don't feel like playing tonight. We go up for the next shift, and sure enough, we get scored on. Link leaves the ice, goes right into the locker room. Are you kidding? One of the coaches says, go get him. I'm thinking, wait a minute. If you're going to, if you're going to get him, don't put him back on my line. Gates was convinced to return and finished at minus five as the Sharks lost 11-1. Um, yeah, he was an exceptional physical specimen. He was a monster. He could shoot the puck. He could skate. He could handle it all. He was tough. Some days he wanted to play. Some days, well, Kissio was one of the, among, uh, one of the veterans who took turns rooming with Gates on the road. The thinking was Gates would learn better habits if he spent as much time as possible with San Jose veterans, strong character guys. When asked how, when asked how that worked out, Kissio said, I know nothing. I see nothing. Barrison recalls the sight of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police surrounding the team plane upon arrival in Vancouver Airport for a game that night a month earlier. We all started in. Hey, Link, they're coming for you, Barrison said. And you know what? They were coming after him. The missing Link no more. Gates was arrested on three outstanding warrants. Like anyone who watched the Sharks saw so much potential in Link when he applied himself. The game came easy to him. A guy like me, I lived in the weight room all summer, said Audrey, who made himself into an NHL player after going undrafted. Link kind of lifted and kind of didn't. He'd come in there, lay down on the bench, put 225 on, do like 12 reps as a warm-up, and was like, and I'm just like, oh my god. Uh, in what turned out to be Link's final game was the Shark March 6, 92. He bolted from the penalty box to engage Troy Loney after the final horn and a 7-3 win by the Penguins at the Cow Palace, earning a 10-game suspension for his actions, and the team was fined 25000 the one question you always ask, what if Link ever got straightened out? Or if he could get mo- motivated and dedicated, Audrey said, it's unbelievable what he could have done. Yeah, so I mean, there, there's the, um, uh, what actually what people might not know is, uh, like I said, he, he was with the Oilers, Sather gave him a shot, um, he ended up, he was down in Cape Breton in the American League kind of rehabbing, um, like trying to see if he'd get ready early, see October, November. He had some awesome fights with, uh, Fleming. Um, he actually caught by Lois, um, probably TKO and Frank. And again, as I just read, right, this is a guy coming back from basically death. And, uh, but he ended up, like, I think he threw a skate at the trainer or something. And it was just like, yeah, that was the end of Link. Um, and then he went and played in the CHL and, uh, played in the Central League, um, with Memphis for the season and, I know he played roller hockey in the RHI. He ended up punching out a trainer there and got kicked off the team. Um, he ended up actually trying out with the Canucks. And uh, my friend Tony has been on the show. He actually had a camcorder down there and recorded Gates fighting uh, Scott Walker. Uh, if you want to check that out, good fight. It, Link kind of takes it to him. I mean, obviously he's a lot bigger than Walker is, but um, that footage is on my YouTube channel as well. Um, but that you know, he didn't make the team or whatever. And then... Uh, that was it. Then started kind of the 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 nomad existence of him throughout the minors. I mean, you know, he went to the UHL and um, or the Colonial League, pardon me, with Madison, and um, you know, ended up he was in Nova Scotia for a bit. Then, of course, in two thousand one, two thousand two, that's when he you know got into the LNAH, and he was actually in the LNAH for uh, four years, um, and eventually managed to. Uh, get kicked out of that and and I mean it's some of the but I mean he fit right in with the Quebec thing with the stick fights and he ended up there was a big brawl he was in street clothes he ended up fighting the other team's trainer that's with Verdun if you want to look up look up uh, uh, St. Jean and uh, Verdun brawl Link Gates yeah you can see him fighting the trainer <laughs> um, yeah so I mean the crazy Quebec league um, 
Yeah, and then and then he finished up. And there was a there was a league for a season out in the Maritimes. Um, I can't remember it was the Continental Elite League or something. Um, he had a bunch of fights, um, and then that was it. And that was in 0506 was the last we saw of Link Gates. Um, and then he went into that hockey enforcers tournament and, uh, unfortunately lost to Steve Reed, uh, in the first round. And, uh, that was the end of the missing link in hockey. Um, he has bounced around. There's always, Hey, has anybody seen link? There's sightings here and there. Um, last that I know he is working at Fort McMurray on the rigs. Um, Actually, I had a couple of people can't stand a fourth. He was in, actually, Link ended up in uh, Fountain Tire in Lloydminster and uh, can't talk to him for a while. Got a picture taken with him. Link looked good, actually. Uh, had lost a bunch of weight. And, um, you know, I mean, for a guy like that, I mean, the dude's a cat, man, with nine lives with the, what he's gone through. Um, but, yeah, he looked good. Um, you know, I know he was in Edmonton. He was living in Edmonton for a while, and he was still, you know, drinking and causing there was a bunch of drunken disorderlies on the weekend, but, uh, uh, other than that, I last, I heard he's out in, in Fort Mac working on the rigs. So yeah. Uh, but what a, what a story. I mean, I mean, you could make a movie of that guy. Actually somebody like if they made a documentary of it, people wouldn't with the, so the stories that I've heard and we have had guys on the show and I've heard off air. I mean, everyone, the older guys, everyone has a link story and, um, you know, a troubled individual and, uh, you know, obviously addiction and everything else. But, um, unfortunately that the car accident was the big thing and, um, yeah. And, and it's too bad because it, it, I mean, that's always, that's the giant what if, right. Is Link Gates really, but yeah, that's it. Right. Uh, it ends up, you know, 65 career NHL games, 14 points, 412 minutes and penalties and 27 tilts. Um, that's including preseason. Um, that's it. I mean, and like I said, I think when you bring up Link Gates, I think a lot of people just, I mean, they just, you just assume he's a, cause you just hear the name and whatever. You just, I think people assumed he was around for really, for a long time in the NHL and he wasn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting look. Like I said, um, dominant fighter, um, could have been one of the greats. Like that's why I said, if he had played the 10 years and like didn't get in the car accident and like kind of legitimately kind of maybe could have, because that's the thing. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he was a drinker guy and whatever and would cause shit off the ice. I mean, he ain't alone. I mean, you know, really, I mean, not talking out of school or whatever, but I mean, like look at Probert and all the issues he had and look how dominant he was. I mean, you know, was, was Link Gates really any worse than Bob Probert with off the ice stuff? I mean. You know, probably not. I mean, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, really. Um, and there, I mean, there was a million guys back in the day. I mean, hockey players, you know, drinking and partying and causing shit. I mean, that, you know, are we really talking about anything that's that, like, you know, oh, really? Like, I mean, um, you know, Link obviously took it to the extreme, but it's like, you know, I, I don't think there was probably, you know, I mean, Brant Myers in his book talks about it and Probert and his exploits. And, I mean, you know, I think Link's right in there with them. And, of course, you know, Probert, well, Probert managed to put it together for, you know, 900 games. But, um, yeah, if Link could have just, you know, harnessed it a little bit or maybe gave a shit. And, um, yeah, I, I think he would, uh, with his skills, could throw with both hands, have the size, could like have the chin, could take it. Um I, I think we're talking, he could have been one of the all-timers. Uh, that's, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, you know, like big hot take or, you know, whatever. No, I really legitimately, I'm not saying, oh, he'd be the greatest of all time. But, I mean, I think he would be in a, you know, a, a top 20 all-time discussion if he had played 10 years. And, you know, it stayed on the path that he was in in San Jose in terms of his fighting ability. And, and um, you know, so. 
But there we go, the player spotlight on the missing link, Link Gates. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, like I said, I've talked long enough, and I actually have to end up recording. I got to go record the uh, an intro and another episode. So um, yeah, I'll shut this one down. Um, as I said, I'm. Uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, as always. And um, thanks, guys. I'm gonna say I'll talk to you soon. But I, like I said, I'm out in Vegas here, so. You're, yeah, you're, it's like back to the future. I'm in a time warp right now as you're, as you're listening, but, uh, I will be back. Um, what did I say I was going to do with this show? Sunday. This is going to be Sunday's episode. Wednesday, um, I will, no, I'll pre-record. I'll be uploading it, but it's, um, it'll be my conversation with Chris about the Rob Ray Tygomi feud. Um, so until then, talk to you guys later. Thanks everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?